Why do salmon swim upstream despite the threat of the bear? Because laying down the foundation for the next generation is worth the risk. This is the Upstream Podcast hosted by me, Salmon Like the Fish, where guests share their pearls of wisdom that could have only been realized through the journey against the current of life. Your presence here and now is no mistake. Keep your ears and your heart open. There is something for you to gain. Hello, thank you for joining us. This is Salmon with the Upstream Podcast. Here with my guest today, John Trokey, who is a interventionalist. Uh, what an interesting job. John, can you just kind of give me a sense of what it is you do exactly and, and kind of like the ins and outs of that? Sure. So basically, if somebody has a problem uh, with drugs and alcohol, but they don't necessarily want help, that's where I come in. Right. So uh, let's say you, you know, you are you're really killing it. You're ripping and running. Uh, you're not looking for help, um, but your family is at its wits end. And they know that if they don't do something for you, it's going to end badly. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what we call an intervention. And basically my job is to, as an interventionist, I go in, uh, I get the family together, we create a team and we devise some strategies and some techniques to get your attention and get you to realize that uh, what you're doing isn't working and that you actually need help and you need help like right now, you know, not next week or next month or next year, but like now. Mm. So that's basically in a nutshell uh, what I do. There's There's a lot of different things that go into it, but that's basically it. What an intense uh, experience, I guess, that would be at times, right? I mean, you have, uh, I'm sure, a lot of tears, a lot of, uh, a lot of intense emotion, right, right. from the family. And uh, you ever have a patient or, or, or a prospective patient kind of just like run out in frustration? Yeah. Or anything, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot I'm of sure. different. I mean, you know, sometimes you, I've had guys that walk through the door and as soon as they see me, they know right away. Yeah. I mean, like now in today's uh, society, there's like people know what an intervention is. And, uh, and so it's, it's funny because I've seen like uh, one guy in particular, I remember watching him walk through the door. As soon as he saw me, he just bolted <laughs> and he lived on like a really long street. Oh my God. So he ran out and me and the family came out after him and I just stood at the front of the house watching him like getting smaller and smaller <laughs> as he ran down the block and uh, you know, and then he finally made it to the intersection he made a right, and I said to his uncle, he made a right, you know, because he was going to get in the car to go get him. And then about, you know, seven seconds later, I see him double back around and go the other way. I go, nope, he's going left. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like people run. Uh, it's a, it's the conversation nobody wants to have. Like the family doesn't want to have it. Right. He, the, the person doesn't want to have it. Right? Like the, it's basically like the uncomfortable conversation that nobody ever wants to have. The, the, you can cut the tension with a knife. Uh, usually they're very upset and you know it's that that thing of like how dare you you've betrayed me all that nonsense and the family is they're so caught up in all of this drama they even actually believe some of that stuff like they should feel bad that they're trying to help you know some sometimes they do yeah and um, yeah so it's very tense but the, the the thing about the intervention is when you get somebody to say yes when you finally get through to somebody and, and they go fine I'll go or whatever you know uh, it's like the best moment for the family because it's all of that tension it, be, it, it was worth it because mm-hmm. you you got through to that person and now it's on to the next the next stage but at least they're safe 
mm-hmm. you know. So it, in, in that sense, it's really that's that's really rewarding. I approached you about this episode because when we'd be at work and I would go to get a patient in one of your groups, I'd always want to sit and linger and and uh, hear you speak. Um, it was just something so just there was always something profound that I heard being in that room and then seeing the way that you would kind of capture uh, you know the ears of everyone in the group and you would have someone who's kind of like this uh, defector from the group challenging you and the way you would kind of skillfully uh, you know turn it back on them and just get the focus on them and and their need for recovery and and their um, struggle with their own addiction even if they felt this like kind of sense of pride you know you know, I said to myself, this guy has something to share with people just uh, in general, not just within these four walls of, of our business, of our job, um, but uh, for the general public. So, you know, in uh, in wanting to see what that was, we spoke about the concept of power, yeah. right? So can you kind of just tell me what that means for yourself? Or what do you, what, how do you define power? Well, power is the ability to make an effect in the world. Whatever that is, and power it manifests itself in a myriad of ways. So, it, it, for me, the 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 angle that I come at it from is uh, in recovery. There's this idea of first admitting powerlessness over something, right? Like I've been defeated in some way, shape, or form by something. Like no matter what I do, I can't seem to beat whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You know, you fill in the blank what that is. When you get to that point where you've been defeated and you realize no matter how hard you try, you're never going to beat this thing, uh, that's called the deflation, right? That's like the the leveling of ego. And it's important if you're going to make any sort of progress in recovery is to realize that I don't have what it takes to beat this thing. I need help, Mm. right? And so when when we talk about that we talk about that in terms of powerlessness right like i have i am powerless over and whatever that is and so when they present uh, like in 12 step recovery they present the problem in the first step right the problem is this this level of powerlessness and then they present the solution in the second step which is i need to get access to power if i don't have power over something my solution must require me getting access to some kind of power. Mm. So when you ask, like, well, what's the, the definition of power? Whatever that thing is, and it really is a, like it's a construct. It's like in your mind, right? Power is a, is a construct. Well, the, you're, the way you visualize power. Okay. Like for, for, every, for every person, there's all kinds of religions, right? There's all kinds of belief systems. I mean, there's all different ways of looking at it. Mm. And I'm not, I don't really, I think that the conversation or the debate is useless when we debate my, my idea of power versus your idea of power, my religion, your religion. Like, 100%. I just think that's so stupid because it doesn't even really matter, right? There are so many people with so many different ideas about what power is or isn't, right? And, and they've found a way for it to work in their lives. So when I talk about it's a construct, I'm talking about your conception of a power, right? So like a lot of times I'll have the conversation like you were talking about uh, groups, like that's one of my favorite things to do is running groups. I love like group dynamics. I love, you know, try. I, I really like to, uh, for me, uh, I like to use uh, stories and images. I'm a very, I'm a, I'm a picture guy. Like I like pictures. So mm. I'll use like, I'm, it doesn't even matter if it's real or it's true. I don't care. That's like beside the point. The, the, Just to illustrate it. Yeah, I like the illustration. Like that's the way my mind works. I get other people might not be that way, but that's how it works for me. And so I use a lot of that stuff. So uh, when we're talking about power, power, right? Uh, one of the things I'll say to people is 
eventually we're getting to this idea of a higher power, right? Sure. Which a lot of people they have you know struggle with that. So I go, let's let's not talk about God, right? We don't have to talk about God. Can we just talk about the concept of power? Mm. And is there anybody in this room that can honestly tell me that they don't believe power exists in this world? Mm. Like, is it evident to everybody in here that power exists, right? And I just leave that open. Like, what do you guys got? And inevitably, people start going, well, yeah, of course power exists. Like, well, first of all, they'll kind of say, well, what do you mean by power? What do you mean? Right, right, <laughs> what right. What does right. that mean? Yeah, because it kind of has a negative connotation. You know, when, when power? I, yeah, when I think of power, I think of someone having power over someone else. That, right. That's the first thing that comes to mind. So that's the first thing that comes to your mind. But one of the things I'll say is like, okay, let's think, like, usually we're in a room, right? We're in yeah. a room. And I'll go, okay, uh, is there power in this building, right? Is there power in this room? And they, yeah, of course. Like you know, and then I go, well, how do we know that there's power in this building and there's power in this room? And you know, well, they go, well, the lights are on. And I go, okay. There, so there you go. You have you have a manifestation of power in this room right now, and you know that it's here, and you know that it's present because the lights are on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what about if you take a look outside? And I go, guys. We live in a really weird world, man. This is really weird. I go, have you ever considered the fact that we're these little tiny creatures stuck to a rock that's hurling through space faster than a speeding bullet? Mm. Like, have you ever really considered how crazy and weird that is? And there's a fireball up in the sky, right? (laughs) Like, there's a fireball up in the sky, and we are, like, locked in on this fireball. We're going around it, and we're locked gravitationally. And I don't know about you, but gravity, that's a power, mm. right? That's a force. The sun, its size, its mass, what it does, the energy that it puts out, the fact that we're able to live on this planet as it's, it shoots through space, yeah. that's power. There's a moon that's locked onto this planet that's, that's r- rotating around it, right? Uh, because of that moon, we have the tides, right? It's power. That's power right there, right? And so I, I ask people just... Take a look at all the different manifestations of power that there are in the world. There's what you talked about, the power that people can have over other people. That's one manifestation of power. There's gravity. There's the the forces of nature, right? That's power, right? So I I use that as a way to open up. Let's just open up our concept of what this thing could be. Because it could be a lot of different things. The first thing that I say when we talk about power or a higher power for most people is, oh, here God go. stuff. Here we yeah, go with the God yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And all I'm saying, and, and you know, I know a lot, a lot of people, the atheists or agnostics, and they're like, look, I'm not down with that. And I go, oh, that's fine. You don't have to be down with that. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about power. Can, can we be on the same page and admit that power exists in this world? Well, yeah, sure. Okay. Now, once we can get to that, once we can, we can admit that power exists, the next question is, do you think it's possible for a person to somehow plug into that power in some way, shape, or form. You know, and you'll go, oh, I'm going to plug into electricity. I go, no, but how about think about this, ready? Hmm. And this is, and this, this was actually brought up by a guy in group, and I thought it was a be- like a beautiful uh, metaphor for what we're talking about. Because he said, he goes, um, well, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to, like, plug into my car, <laughs> right? And I go, you know what? Now, now that you mentioned that, that's actually a great idea. You plug into your car. You know that, uh, honestly, now that you mentioned that, you plug into your car, 
yo, we can do things today that like 200 years ago and back in history, people never could do. People lived and died within like a five to 10 mile radius of where they were born. Mm. But people didn't travel. You know, I do, I, I try, you know how far I travel every day to go to work and it's like nothing. Yeah. You know what I do? I plug into my car. I do. <laughs> I plug into my car and my car allows me to do that which I couldn't do on my own, Very on my own accurate. two feet. Yeah. Right. So that's a perfect example of mm. plugging into something that allows you to, to go further, farther, faster. Right. So that's the, that's where we start. We go. I go. The, the other one I'll say is like, like, haven't we seen, especially guys right in sports, haven't we seen athletes who are able to they call it being in the zone? They're able to take it to another level. Like they plug into something and they're unstoppable. They can't miss. They're just unbelievable. Yeah. My, Michael Jordan was like famous for that. He's in the zone. And like, what is that? How is that person uh, managing to plug into something that's allowing them to do more than they could usually do? Mm. And it's like, and if you can say, if you could admit, well, okay, yeah, there are examples of people that seem to be able to plug into something. Okay, now we're on to something. So you're saying that there is power and you're saying that you have witnessed people who seem to be able to plug into that power. Right. Well, here's the question. Do you think you can plug into a power? Yeah, most people will say no. Right. Even as you're talking yeah. to me, I'm like, I don't know if I can. Can you plug into I a don't power? I don't know. I don't right? know. Right, and so the question is, right, why, why, if you say no, well, why? Yeah. What, are you a special case? Well, oh, so plugging into power, that only happens for special people. You're just, for some reason, you're one of those losers that just ha don't have the ability, yeah. right? And so, like, it's, that's, like, kind of like the, the, the drawing out of the question, mm. right? Let Open up possibility for people to put themselves there and think, well, yeah, I never really thought about it that way. Can I actually plug into power? Yeah. And it doesn't even have, we don't have to be talking about the God stuff yet. Just talking about this idea of plugging into something that can do for you what you can't do for yourself. Mm. Obviously, we just talked about plugging into your car. Mm. Your car is allowing you to go further than you could before. Right. Right? You plug into your phone. You know how you can communicate with people today? You know, that was not possible, just so you know. Yeah. Right? Just so everybody's aware. <laughs> right. I will, like, I, like, I'll be dating myself here, but here's the reality. There was a time right before cell phones even became popular, right? And we used to have these things called pay phones. Right. right? <laughs> I do remember right. the pay phones. And remember when you had to call your parents, collect to pick yeah. you up somewhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, call and collect. Oh, you'd have, to, you'd have to hope that people were home. Yeah. Because if you called from the pay phone and they happened not to be home, oh, well, well, I guess, money. I guess I have to try and call somebody else. That's right. Right? And now we are- And you had to remember the numbers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I have about four different numbers in yeah. my head that are still tattooed from yeah. way back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember like my wife's number, yeah. right? But right. now, because everything, you don't have to remember it anymore. But back then, there were like numbers that like, they were my go-to numbers. Yeah. Right? And so, you, you just take a look at that. Your phone has allowed you to live in a better way, mm. right? It's, it's, it's given you convenience. It's given you the ability to connect with people. I mean, think of all the things that you can do with your smartphone. I got to tell you, you know what? I had the thought the other day. I'm like, man, if I didn't have my cell phone, would I be where I'm at in my career right now, in my finances, in my health? <clears throat> I don't think so. Well, here, well I love the uh, step counter on my phone. Oh, right? yeah. Like uh, when I go for a run, every every day at some point in the day, I'm looking at the step counter. How many steps did I do today? Right. <laughs> right. And it's a weird thing. Yeah. But, so, but for some reason, I want that to be – like I look at it, I want it to be high. I'm like, right. oh. I want it higher, right. right? And that and that inspires me to do more than I would have done. Right, keeps you accountable. Right? Yeah, and and it's like I don't even have to think about it. It's yeah. it's it's counting my steps when I'm not even thinking about right. it. I go for a run and I'm not thinking about how many steps are in the run, but it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just like 
So you're plugging into something that's a power, mm. right? That's allowing you to look at your life and it's improving your life, mm. right? Because here are some aspects of technology that have improved our lives. We're able to communicate with people. We're able to send emails, text messages, uh, look up, uh, uh, look up uh, information when we need to, right? Google's at the touch of your, your, your fingertips, mm. right? So there's so many different ways that it improves your life, and yet we don't think about it, right? right? Well, especially people today who were growing up with all this stuff, like, like it always existed. I remember when I was a little kid, and, and, and I heard that television didn't always exist. And I remember thinking, I was so baffled by that. Like, <laughs> what did kids right. do before there was, right. when there was no television? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense, mm. you know? So it's like you're born into something, and it just, like, you just take it for granted. You right. just think, like, yeah, sure, this has always been here. Even the social media thing. Like, when I talk to kids, especially with the, um, with the crisis of bullying in school and things, you know, I tell the kids, you know, you ever think about not being on social media, just like blocking these people? Like, no, I have to go on, I have to be on social media. Yeah. Like, I can't. It's like they, they don't exist if they're not on social media, right. which is an interesting thing. But, you know, when I go back into the day, just to 2000, like, we didn't really even check our email back then, you know, uh, let alone, you know, post a, a dance story or <laughs> any <Right>. nonsense. <laughs> but, you know, I could see how people can initially have this reaction, like, um, you know, Will Smith said something along the lines of that uh, greatness is not this, like, esoteric thing that only the, the few have. But I could see how people can look at power, like, no, only ah, that person can be powerful. I'm different. I don't know why, but I feel like I can't have that kind of power. Right. Like, what do you say to that person? Well, that's that's the mind. And it's kind of like, um, have you ever heard, heard of, like, a, a, a flea circus, right? You know, like a flea circus? It's like an old concept, the flea circus. You know, tiny little fleas can jump like two stories high, right? A flea. But they would this make... This was a real thing? Yeah, flea I, circus. I mean, I've seen cartoons where there was a right, flea seen, circus. But yeah, that's a cart, but the cartoon is based on a thing. I didn't know there was yeah. an actual thing. Sure, yeah. Wow. So a You're flea, really dating yourself now. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll go all over the map. <laughs> yeah. But he, the thing about the flea circus is like a flea can, a flea can jump like uh, two stories high, this little tiny bug. So what do they do? They take the flea and they put it in like a, a glass, uh, a gla- like put a glass over it. Mm-hmm. And every time the flea goes to jump, it hits the top of the glass. Right. Right? The flea does that long enough. You take the glass away, the flea won't jump any higher than what it used to jump. Because That's interesting. And, and it's, and it's kind of like the same concept of like what they do with elephants. Right? Yes. The same, right. It's the same thing. Right. So now what's happened is uh, the flea always had the ability to, to jump the two stories. But it's now in the flea's you know, uh, DNA or in its mind or however you want to put it for a flea. I'm not yeah. familiar with the <laughs> flea biology. right? But now the flea will only jump that height. Right. Right. And that's kind of like what we are. And the we elephant, have, right? Shackled. Yeah. Right. In the circus. They right. just they they uh, they don't have to nail the shackle into the ground anymore. They, right. they just feel it on their right. leg. Right. Yeah. And so human beings are like that, too. Yeah. Right. We've created these these glass ceilings for ourselves that we can't go past. I see it a lot like with um, uh, one of the most recent areas where I where it's noticeable is in like running. Right. Yeah. So, um, with all the COVID-19 stuff, the gym's closed, can't go to the gym. I like the elliptical because it's, you know, nice and simple and smooth. Uh, and I don't know, like a, maybe a few weeks into it, I'm like, oh man, this is like, I'm not getting, I'm not having good workouts. You know, I want to have like a good workout and, uh, you know, I'm cooped up. So I go, let me go for a walk. 
And then I'm and I go, I like going for a walk. This is yeah. nice. Maybe I could even, you know, maybe I should start running. Oh my god! Right, right. right. So I started run. I hadn't run like out in the, you know, except on an elliptical in years. Mm-hmm. So I go, all right, let me start running. And it's like horrendous. I'm like, oh my god, I get two blocks. And I'm exhausted. Right. You know, it's like demoralizing. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. It's embarrassing. My hip hurts. My left. Right. So I go, all right, I want to, I want to really give it a go. So I start running. And every day, you know, it's like, uh, it's, I'm not doing well, you know, the first few weeks, you know, like I run, walk, run, walk, run, walk, right? And probably more walk than run. Mm-hmm. And then eventually after like, I don't know, maybe a month or so, I'm running further, right? And then I'm running further and then I'm running further. And then there would always be like this point in my, like I have a route that, you know, I'm very like, uh, uh, I'm, a, cre- I'm a creature of habit, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I want to go the same. So all right, I'm, I have a route. And every time I get to a certain point on the route, I always have, I can't make it. It's like, I'm, it's like a barrier. Right. You know what I mean? I can't get past, like, I want to be able to run this whole route without having to walk at all. But I always get to one hill or one street or one this, and it's like, I'm blocked. I can't get past it. Yeah. And so, like, I, I'm, um, what I'm bumping up against is the barriers in my head. Mm. Right. Because now at this point, physically speaking, I'm physically able to do it. I've been running for long enough that like I'm now in better shape and, I, and my cardiovascular is pretty good and, you know, I'm stronger. And, but it's in my head. And so now I start going. This is like, you know, months back. I start going. I got to push myself past this point. And I start pushing myself past that point. And then lo and behold, now after I do that a few times, now I can easily get past that. And now it's the next point, mm. right? So there's always one more point where you have that barrier. You go, I can't go any further than this, mm-hmm. right? And the mind is like the, the, the thing that at least I get some, some like enjoyment out of is what can I push myself to do, yeah. right? Like so can I push wh- myself to go past this? Where does power um, kind of take its place in that whole process there? Right, because yeah. you're you're bumping uh, you're bumping up against the glass. You know, it's interesting. You you converted from the elliptical to running. That's a, you know, it's a pretty uh, uh, different thing altogether, right? Because yeah. I mean, the pressure on your knees and yeah. then and just being used to something, right? Just the yeah. the whole routine of things. I mean, I've had people who say, I can't go to the gym anymore. Um, my gym's closed. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. D- can you? Is there not street by you? Is there not yeah. ground under yeah, your yeah, feet yeah. that you can't yeah. <laughs> you can't traverse? Right. Like, I don't understand. Um, but it's like that that whole thing, I guess, uh, almost similar to the the glass with the flea. Like people see only uh, the gym as a place to work out and to maintain their fitness. Other than right. that, it's once it's gone, I guess I just can't do fitness anymore. But um, you know, you 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 bumped up against this barrier for you. So where does power kind of come in? So I think that, like at least in my experience, when I come to the point where I feel like I can't go any further, and but I want to, right? I feel like it's. How do I get to that next level? How do I bring it up another gear? And for me, I mean, again, this is this is the part where uh, there's the divert the, where we divert from power to this idea of a higher power. Okay. Right. And for me, I just again, I don't I don't claim to understand what God is. I don't know, and I think it's irrelevant. I don't need to know what God is, um, but I believe that there is a power. I believe that there's a, a higher power that I can plug into, and how I most usually plug into it is prayer and meditation, mm-hmm. right? So, like, uh, on a on a on a regular basis, I find myself just asking for help. You know, can you help me with this? Mm-hmm. Get me past this. Show me what you need me to do. Show me how. Show me how to do this. Show mm-hmm. me how I can get past this, mm-hmm. right? And it sounds like 
it's a weird kind of thing because when you hear yourself say it, you're kind of like, oh my god, really? You right. know? <laughs> I remember, I remember one time, uh, I said, uh, and it's it's funny what happens inside your head because I've been, you know, I've been at this for a long time. I remember, I don't know, not th- not that long ago, maybe a year or two ago, uh, I had like some issue came up, like the issue of the day, whatever it was, and I remember I said to myself, oh, I should pray about this, and then I heard this other voice go. That shit don't work. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went like this. I went, where the hell did that come right. from? <laughs> right? Like, wow. Yeah, like, yeah. wow, that was like uh, yeah. automatic. Right, right? right, right. And so it's like that stuff will still come up. Like yeah. the old programming is still there. It's like that doesn't work. But mm. the reality is like I've seen it work in my life. Right? I've seen even like if I have like anxiety or depression or whatever about something in particular, like some life circumstance. And it's like I like – Right in that moment, the thoughts are too much, or it's too intense, or the emotions are too much, right? I've, I always turn to prayer, mm. and I've always found that when I do that, it's helpful to me. Mm. And I've met lots of people that do the same thing, and they say it's helpful for them too. So, I tend to, I tend to think that it works. You know, what's interesting is that there's the differentiation between a power and a higher power. Because I, I don't know why, but right now I'm thinking of power as in like. Let's say in the analogy of you running and you hitting this wall, uh, power could be, you know what? I've come this far. I'm happy with this. I feel good about this. I'm, I'm okay here. You know, and, and is that, you know, power and then higher power is kind of going past uh, further and beyond than you could have done on your own? Is, does that sound like a reasonable analogy? So, like, if you're kind of bumping against this barrier with this run, can you just be happy with just that? With just, let's say... Well, how many miles were you? How many steps were you doing? So I'm I'm averaging about ten thousand a day. The so on your on your run, so it um, it's cumulative. You're, you're saying your your steps for the day are cumulative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, ten thousand, and you wanted to pass that barrier of ten thousand at some point. No, so it was less than that, uh-huh. and I wanted it to be more than that. Oh, okay, well, okay. Well, actually, the the reality is it wasn't even about more steps because uh-huh. I think actually I would have more steps walking the distance instead of running right because oh, you're okay. taking you're kind of taking less steps as you run yeah, so yeah. i don't even think it was about the steps at that point it was about the idea of being able to complete the the uh, route uh, that i was you know okay. what i mean like i want i wanted to be able to go from my home do the route the whole way without having to stop at all yeah that's really what it was. It wasn't so much about the steps. It was about the actual completion of it. I had to get past that last barrier yeah. of why can't I just run the whole thing? Yeah. And it was just something that generated inside of me that I just wanted to be able to do it, mm. right? Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. like with like it uh, if 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 it was my if it was my feeling that I wanted to just keep, you know, running and walking, that'd be fine too. Yeah. Right? Like it's really it's not a but it really isn't so much about the well, is it better to walk? You know, like it's not even about that. It's that what I noticed was the thing that kept me from completing what I wanted to do was the barrier of the mind. Mm. And I think that's really what ha- what happens for a lot of people is what's the story in your head that keeps you from being able to do that which you really would like to do. Right. Like, uh, you know, there's so many, there are so many things that are variables that are so scary for all of us. And we don't, we don't have a crystal ball. Yeah. Right. We don't know that if we do something, it's actually going to work out in our favor. It might yeah. not. Right. 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 And that's scary. And you know, on some level, I don't want to have. I don't want to be the guy that I did all this stuff and it blew up in my face. Yeah. And I have no one else to blame 
but myself. Yeah. Oh my God, that's hard, right? So it's like there. Then there's the generation of stories inside of our head about. All right. Well, let's come up with some kind of uh, plausible deniability why we shouldn't even pursue this. You right. Know what I mean. Right. And it's just like that's that kind of happens for a lot of people. Like we just generate reasons why. Ah, I didn't want that anyway. It's like the the parable of the sour grapes, right? Uh, I don't know that parable. Tell me about it. Oh, well, you know, it's like the, the parable. I mean, not the parables. I'm sorry. It's um, the fables, right? Uh-huh. Aesop's fables, right? They're all about animals, right? Fables. So the one with the, the sour grapes is, uh, I think it was like a maybe a wolf or something like that. And he wanted to eat these grapes, but he couldn't get them. So as he's walking away, he goes, ah, I didn't want them anyway. They were sour. You know <laughs> <laughs> right. So like, that's why, right. That's why. Wow. Yeah, I never people, heard that before. You've never heard that. No, one? Right. I never heard so it. it's like, it's that idea of sour grapes is always like, you go, ah, I didn't want that anyway. Yeah. But you just, you know, like, that's just your excuse. You you couldn't get it. Right. But instead of saying I couldn't get it, cause that's unacceptable. For you, me create, to, you create yeah, the story yeah, to make yeah. it, it was palatable for yeah. you that you didn't. You know what's interesting is any job that I've ever left, it's always because there was a better opportunity in in, in whatever way, whether it was salary, whether it was position, whether it was uh, whatever, schedule. Every job I've ever left, uh, I would say 50 to 70% of staff members would say, you know what, I wish I could leave this place. I hate this place. I can't stand being here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what's, what are you doing? You're not a tree. Leave. Yeah. Go. <laughs> like, right. What's holding you back? And I've seen that in, in every single position yeah. I've ever been in. And it's, I, I think it's it's a plague, really, um, you know, that people just won't live the life that they want to live for that fear. And I, I could see, I mean, I've, I've been there myself, but I think if I look back, uh, I would say I have like a 85 to 90% success rate, you know, at any, at any mm-hmm. time that I've actually kind of, say, jumped off the cliff and, and, and hoped mm-hmm. to fly, right? You know, it just kind of ended up working out. And it, it was scary. Even the job that we're in now, you know, I left a pretty comfortable job, you know, for um, to kind of specialize in the field of substance abuse, like a hundred percent, which I hadn't done before. And, um, you know, for, for a while, for, I would say for a good six, seven months, I wasn't sure if I was going to find my footing, but now I'm like, man, I'm so glad that I'm, I'm at, I'm at where I'm at now in my life and in my career. Um, I mean, it's partly why we're sitting together now, right? Yeah. Cause we, we got to meet. Well, you know, that thing, what you're, what you're talking about is, uh, when you say it's a plague and that's for most people, Yeah. that, that mindset is on steroids for addicts and alcoholics, mm. right? Like that that's a common uh, mindset for just normal people. But in addicts and alcoholics, it's like you can find that in so, like in so many different ways. It just shows up yeah. and it's so ingrained, you know, just this idea of what is and isn't possible. Yeah. Now, they say like in recovery, like in the big book, it says uh, there are three things that are essential, right? Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, right? Like indispensable, those three things you gotta have them, right? So if you think what's indispensable, right? Like what's your definition of indispensable? It's like, well, I gotta have it, right? Right. All right well, what are things that you have to have in order to live? Like air, right? <laughs> Food, water, right? You gotta have it. Shelter, right? Well, they're saying if you want to recover, you gotta have these three things: honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. Well, the open-mindedness part—it's so—it's uh, amazing because. A lot of us think that we're open-minded, and it's just, that's bull, you mm-hmm. know? I'm open-minded to people who already agree with me, you know what I mean? Like, if you, oh, yeah, 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 come on, let, yeah, let's commiserate and talk about how we agree about whatever. But as soon as you start talking about some stuff where I already know that's BS, my mind closes right up, mm-hmm. right? And they're saying open-mindedness is going beyond that, right? Beyond the superficial open-mindedness, but really becoming open to 
Is it possible that there are things that I've believed my whole life that aren't true? Is that possible? Oh, you know, I don't want to think that, right? Is it possible, right? Because like what the, the journey of recovery is about finding out that the world does not have to change in order for you to recover, right? I always thought, well, if, I, if the world was better, then I'd be okay, right? But, well, as long as you believe that, you're screwed, right? Because the world is not changing for us, ever. It's not going to change for us. But the, the weird thing is that when you change, the world changes, right? When your perception changes, the world changes. So why don't you ask some hard questions, right? Ask yourself, what do I really believe? Do I really believe that, um, that I can make this happen, that I can do this, that I can go this far, that I, that, that I can uh, acquire whatever it is I need to acquire? Do I believe that? Or do I believe that in some way, shape, or form, I'm kind of a loser, and it's never going to work out for me anyway. And for some reason, uh, I don't know, I'm just, I'm one of those tragic souls. And that's how it's going to end up for me. Mm. And people can tell you a lot of different things, but it's not about what they say. It's about what they do, right? People will really tell you what they believe by what they do. And just watch. When you find people sabotaging themselves, and it could be in recovery or just normal people who sabotage themselves, that's telling you something significant about what they believe about the world and themselves. And it's just interesting. Mm. And if you get, and if you can, the other part when I said honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, the honesty part, when you can have the honesty to really be like, oh my God, I have bought into ideas my whole life that haven't helped me at all. I've believed things. You know, what, you know what's weird about belief? Belief does, it doesn't even require what you believe to be true. Right, like you can have a belief, and it does is not even based in reality, and yet it will have the same effect on you as if it were based in reality. That's weird. It is weird, right? That is very weird. Yeah. See, there's like there's two there's two things going on. There's personal truth, and then there's like immutable truth, universal truth, right? And personal truth is very powerful. And then there's this thing called universal. Like for instance, right? You can believe in certain things that are not true but they have the power to like change your life. But you can, that doesn't matter when it comes to like uh, immutable truth, right? Like if you were walking down the street and you came across like a live wire and you said, I don't believe in electricity. (laughs) That doesn't care what you think. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you you touch that live wire, you're dead, right? You're going down. It doesn't matter what you believe. So when you confront real immutable truth, then it doesn't matter. Mm. But as far as personal truth, you can have a belief about yourself or the world or your family or the town you live in or the, you know, the institutions that are all around you. And you can have certain beliefs and those beliefs color your life. And they, and they, and they basically kind of point you in a direction. Mm-hmm. There's like, I, I've been talking about this a lot recently. I don't even know where it comes from, but I, and I don't even know if I'm getting it right. But it goes something like this. It says, like, be careful of what you think. Your thoughts will become your words. Be careful of what you say. Your words will become your actions. Be careful of what you do because your actions will become your habits. Be careful of your habits because your habits will become your life. Be careful of your life because your life will become your destiny. Mm. Right? And it's, it's, I, I know I'm getting it kind of wrong somewhere, but it's something like that. And from your thoughts to your destiny is a straight line. Yeah. Right? So what you believe is going to affect what you say and what you do and your habits and your life and your destiny. And if you were to make that shift to going from, well, I believe all this negative nonsense to maybe life can be different, maybe it could be a good life, 
all of a sudden you're changing the angle of your approach and over time watch where that takes you mm. so we, that's a like that's a that's a, that's a powerful concept you know it, it makes me think of two really practical things for me uh, i had a conversation with a patient recently um just talking about work and how he didn't think he can sit and do a job for eight hours a day and i remember back in the day like i don't know how i could sit and do a job for eight hours i would be bored out of my mind mm -hmm. you know and uh for a long time i held on to that idea until i actually started working eight hours and even 12 hour shifts and then just kind of like them flying by the other kind of weird belief i had was just uh, i'm just not going to be a good married guy like i'm just mm -hmm. not going to be a good father you know i'm just not going to mm -hmm. be able to uh, be a happy dad and, and, and raise a family. But now here I am, you know, in the midst of it. I mean, yeah, it's challenging, but uh, I guess I didn't see a lot of examples of that, you know, in my life, you mm -hmm. know, and, and around my circles. So I just thought that that's what it was. And people were just suffering through it. And then with the divorce rates, you know, going up and up every year, you know, things like that. And, and, uh, and that belief um, was only shifted by my open mindedness. Like maybe it could be different for me. You know, and uh, and lo and behold, it, it, it was, you know, I, I can see now, I mean, you got to meet my kids and my, and my wife prior to this. And uh, uh, it's amazing. You know, it's interesting. You were talking about, you know, um, you know, concept of of of, uh, of prayer and, and a higher power. And yesterday we were at church and, you know, the the priest had asked the kids, you know, uh, who is God to you? And my seven year old Samara, she says, uh, um, God help you when I'm having a hard time with things. You know that that was her her mm -hmm. response kind of similar uh you said that that voice in your head was kind of like oh this is bs you know the uh, why would why uh, you know prayer how's that going to help anything right. you know but even uh this seven-year-old kid she she knew that this was helpful for her it's an interesting thing that that power concept um now it, how does someone get like the open-mindedness I, I i struggle with that with a lot of patients you know and and just people in my personal life because you can't force anyone to be open-minded. You know, how do you how do you kind of open up that channel for them to be open-minded? Because it seems like that's the way to get to power. Yeah, well, you know, there's nothing like getting punched in the face to make you open-minded. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, um, there's really, there's not much that we can do for somebody to make them open-minded if they're not, right? I mean, you can engage with them and you can challenge their beliefs and you can talk to them. But what really kind of elicits open-mindedness at least in my experience is when you just like when you just get your your head bashed in and you're just in so much pain that you you'd be willing to do anything just to get out of what you're in mm. and there's like you know how does that how do you make that happen for somebody yeah because right? yeah, even if it's not addiction you know an addiction especially you know in the opiate uh, epidemic it's death is literally right there right um but even for people in relationships, people getting into a relationship out of uh, after relationship, they're they're just more and more miserable, uh, more and more hopeless that they're going to find someone or, or, or that gonna, they're going to be happy in a relationship. And yeah. you can't tell them like, hey, maybe work on yourself a little bit. Maybe sure. it'll attract something better. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it's, it's a very uh, tough thing because they seem very powerless. And it's like you can't hand power to somebody, which is which is so frustrating, I think, in our field. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, I, and, and I've given up on that idea, too, about, like, that I can fix somebody or save anybody. Like, I just don't have the ability to do that. I don't feel like I have the ability to save anybody or to kill anybody, mm. right? I mean, you know, when I say kill anybody, I mean, like, by my words, that my words are going to, you know, set them off, right? Uh, what I do think is I have the power to either help people or harm people. And, you know, in, in my path, you know, um, 
I harmed a lot of people, you know, earlier in my life in, in another incarnation. Yeah. Right. You know, like I was, I would just didn't care about a lot of stuff. And uh, I definitely harm people. I saw, I saw the power of what it looks like, how you can do damage to other people. So I don't want to do that anymore, right? So it, in, in the role that I have now, what I want to do is just to be of service and to help people, mm. right? And that's just an amazing, that's an amazing gift to get to be able to see. It's like um, the concept, I, I remember coming across this concept years ago, and it's called enlightened self-interest, Right. It's about the best I'm ever going to get as a human being, right, as a human, is this idea of enlightened self-interest. And what that looks like is, uh, why do I want to um, preserve the environment? Why do I want clean air, clean rivers, right? Why do I want that? Well, it's going to be good for me, but it's also going to be good for you too. Mm. And it's going to be good for future generations. So it's like a win-win-win, right? Right. That's enlightened self-interest. We're doing something to help, and we're going to get something out of it, but so is everybody else, as opposed to the way I used to live, which was I want what I want when I want it. I'm going to get mine, and if it's, a, if it's at your expense, then oh well. But I got to get mine. Hmm. And you know, there's a lot of people that live by that philosophy. I get it. I understand that philosophy. But what that philosophy leads to is a lot of pain. Mm. And then the pain leads to hopefully open mindedness. It's like a whole, <laughs> it's like a whole ecosystem that happens, right? Right. right. So we we either come to it or we don't, yeah. right? Some people never get to it because they die before they ever get to that place where they're just like, I'll just do anything. I'll just do anything to not feel this way anymore, mm. right? So it's like, I, I, it's not something that you really should, like should take credit for. It's just something that either happens for you or it doesn't, right? And if it happens for you, you just be grateful that th- thank God. Right, I finally, uh, my head popped out of my butt. You know what I mean? Right. And I st- and I stopped living. I, I I had a desire to stop living the way I was living, and I became open to, you know, just general spiritual principles. These general spiritual ideas. I think the most powerful uh, tool that I ever encountered was the idea of meditation, and why it's powerful because uh, I didn't realize how much uh, credence I put into my mind and my thought system. Right, I listened to my mind as though it was um, like it like it was helping me, and it wasn't helping me. But I listened to it as as if it were. And what I came to find out is that you know they would talk about in recovery, uh, we have an illness that speaks to us in our own voice, right. right? And it's an interesting concept because I you know I tend to agree with myself. I think I agree with myself almost 100% of the time. You know what I mean? Like, that's a lot. You? I can't imagine. Right? And, there, and there's people that I, I admire, that I, that I look up to, yeah. that I think a, a lot about. And I can find, like, maybe I agree with them 60% of the time. I can find areas to disagree with people that I generally agree with. Right? Yeah. But I can say, yeah, but on this one, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? But when it comes to me, when it comes to my opinions, my thoughts, my desires, my wants, right? Me, 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 me. That's me, right? And they say underneath addiction and alcoholism is severe selfishness and self-centeredness. Well, all right, that fits the bill, Mm. right? I'm I'm so interested in what I think and what I say, right? And then, but then they they, they give us this concept and they go, but I have a disease, I have an illness, and it speaks to me in my own voice. So when I hear it speaking to me, I hear it speaking to me as me. Mm. Well, like your conscience, almost. Right? It's, It's speaking to me as me. Yeah. See, like I've, I have come to see the, the illness, or at least in active addiction, I saw the, the, the addiction as it was me. Mm. 
and I'm very interested in me. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like a heist that's happened. Yeah. And I'm so locked up in, into this whole thing and I don't even see it. Right. So there's this concept. Um, I love this guy. He's uh, he's from San Francisco, Paul Hederman. And he talked about this. And and I, I actually one time I, ta- I said we were we were out to eat and I said, listen, I want to tell you something. I've been telling people about this concept and they think it's mine. <laughs> and you know what? I'll take the credit yeah. for it. And he goes, you know what? I don't care as long as that, that message gets out there. So I got I have his approval to talk about it. Right. Yeah. And uh, so he talked about and I remember the first time I heard it. I thought it was like so genius. And he talked about uh, this parasite. Right. Toxoplasmosis. Mm. It's a it's a parasite that uh, it, you find it in cats a lot. But it's like most parasites, it's in lots of different places. Uh, but the perfect environment for this, this particular parasite is in the belly of a cat. It's like the perfect environment, right? So toxoplasmosis, when it finds itself inside of a rodent, it has this ingenious uh, technique, this strategy. And what it does is it hacks into the rodent's brain and it tells the rodent when you see a cat, run right up to that cat. It's a really weird thing, right? Mm. If you think about that. All of us, all living beings, we've been evolving for a very, very, very long time. Rodents, if they know one thing, they know cats are certain deaths. Stay the hell away from cats, Mm. right? Now, it has a parasite inside of it that's telling it to act against its own best interest. Go right up to certain death, right? So what does this rodent do? You could see videos of this on on, uh, YouTube, right? The rodent goes right up to the cat. The cat goes, wow, free lunch. It devours the rodent. And toxoplasmosis ends up exactly where it wanted to be, in the belly belly. of the cat. Mm. So it's like the picture, again, it's like it's just a picture. I like to use pictures. The picture is, right, addiction and alcoholism works like in the exact same way, right? It's this parasite. It's not like a real parasite, but it's like it acts like a parasite. It, 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 It hacks into the brain of the addict or the alcoholic, and it tells the addict or the alcoholic, you go here, you do this, you do that, and what do we do? We hear that voice, and then that voice sounds just like us, and we listen to it, mm. and we do it. And when we end up in a treatment facility, we go, well, I made that decision to go to the spot. I, wa- I was the one that decided to live in an abandonment. I was the one that, you know, does it. We, and we say, and we'll, we'll defend that to the end, and we don't realize, like, there's something going on inside of us, and it's a heist, and it's having us act against our own best interest. Mm. That's, the way that, that's the way the addiction works. So what happened in uh, meditation was I came to find out, and I heard this, I don't even remember where I heard it actually, but I heard somebody say, I am, my, I am not my thinking mind. Some very, like very spiritual yeah. guy, I don't even know who he was, but I remember hearing, I am not my thinking mind. And I remember thinking, what the hell does that mean, yeah. right? The hell is this guy talking about? I am not my thinking mind. And I really started like, what is, like, what is he trying to say? I'm not my thinking mind. And then what I came to find out was that my whole life, I think I've always thought I was my mind. I always thought like if I'm thinking, like if I'm having good thoughts, I'm doing good. If I'm having bad thoughts, I'm doing bad. I'm like, whatever's going on inside my head, that's me. And the sicker that you get, right, in your head, the sicker that you are, right? I don't see a separation between uh, whatever it is I am as like a spirit and what's going on inside my head. I think they're one and the same. And the idea is, well, if you are your sickness, well, then you can never get well. Mm. How can you get well as your sickness, right? Like a car can't get out of a car, but a passenger can. Right. 
car cannot get out of a car. <laughs> right. A car is stuck yeah. being a car, right? Yeah. If I am an addict, like that's what I am. I'm my sick thoughts. Well, then I'm stuck with that. Right. But the idea was that to realize that those sick thoughts and all that stuff, that, that chaos that's going on inside my head isn't me. And if it's not me, I can get free of it. Mm. Right. See, like the addict alcoholic wants to get free uh, from addiction and alcoholism as addiction and alcoholism. It doesn't work. Right. Right. You want it like you there's there's the hand and there's the glove. Right. The hand animates the glove. And in this in this metaphor, we're the hand or right. what we are, the essence of what we are, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, is the hand. But we think we're the glove. Right. And so I'm spending my whole life thinking I'm the glove, mm. not the hand. Mm. Right. And all you have to do is ask yourself. The, it doesn't even matter if any of this stuff is true or not true. The, be, the better question is, is it helpful? Because if I can get to this place where I start to see a separation between what I am and what my thoughts are, and that gives me some freedom. Geez, that's really what I want. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Like, I don't even care. It, this is the most important thing is like, I don't even care how much of this stuff is true or not true. Does it work? And now you ask any addict or alcoholic, do they ever think about, uh, well, where did the where did this bag come from? Right? Like, <laughs> right. whose whose butt was it up? You know, yeah, in order right. to get here, how many violent acts happened in in the name of getting this from where it started to where it is right? No, no. you never think about any of that stuff. You don't care about any. All you care about, right, in active addiction, when you get whatever package you get, is that it works. That's what you care about. Mm. And that's the same thing with recovery. You should care that it actually works. Mm. Right. So I started playing with this idea and I started getting into this thing of meditation and I start seeing what my mind is up to. What are you doing when you meditate? It depends. There's a lot of different techniques. I, what happened was initially when I started, I couldn't do, I, it was very difficult. Uh, there was a guy, uh, that I, that I admired a lot. He was a, a pretty well-known speaker and uh, I listened to him a lot and he always talked about how much he meditated and it was like so clear that whatever he's talking about I ain't doing it you know what I mean like he's talking about like serious meditation and I'm like you know what I want what this guy has but I don't do what he does right. you know what I mean right and so it got into my head I was like if I really wanted what he had then I would do what he does so I was like alright I want to get into the meditation thing so I started trying to meditate and it was the hardest thing in the world I'm like what the like I can't do like a couple minutes it's like I sit down I go okay I'm gonna meditate mm. okay and then I'm sitting there and then huh, I wonder what time what time are the Yankees playing tonight <laughs> you know what I mean like right oh wait am I supposed to was that meeting today or t no that's tomorrow yeah and then oh and then the other thing is I can't wait till that new that movie comes out oh my god that's gonna be aw and then I go, oh wait I'm supposed to be meditating right <laughs> oh shit back to meditation yeah. and, and last another three seconds before my mind goes off again into some other tangent so I saw how hard it was but I was I was like persistent and I kept trying and then because I was uh, persistent because I was opened up to it uh, a buddy of mine from Brooklyn um, was very much into meditation from a very specific uh, point of view. Uh, he was very knowledgeable about it. And I said, let me, you know, I should ask him, you know, what does he do? And then we started working together and he started showing me all these different techniques and we would, you know, he'd have me talk to him about them and we'd go through them. And one of the, the, the ones that I really got into was this mindfulness meditation. 
and you could do it in a lot of there's a lot of different ways you could do it um, uh, what you do is like uh, like you sit and instead of trying to shut out the thoughts you welcome them right so uh, you could do like he, like with hearing right you sit there and you just listen right and you're li- and you're sitting there and then you go whatever you hear you just it's like you label it you go here here and I'm kind of just it's kind of like uh, what I'm doing is uh, if I hear the bird outside right it's like an arrow going towards that bird like I, I hear the bird and then I hear the truck that just went by and then I hear somebody just walked outside uh, the room that I'm in and then I heard there's a plane going over and I'm just all you're doing is just noting everything that you hear just here 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 and just watch what happens and you could do the same thing with uh, sensation like body sensations right you could do body scans you can do like go at my left knee you could whatever sensations that are coming up in your body I feel 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 you could do it with sight right even when you have your eyes shut you still see shapes and colors and stuff like that and then uh, thoughts will appear visuals will appear and you just note it and when you you could even take all of those together and do them together and what happens is you realize all the time there is input coming in from the outside world Mm -hmm. And your mind is constantly trying to make sense of it, process it, looking at it, making stories about it, right? Because there's a difference between there's somebody who is walking outside of the room that I'm in to, oh, that's uh, so-and-so, and and, oh, I think she's still mad at me, and And there's a whole story, Right. right? Forget the story. But what happens is when you start to see that's what's going on, you start to realize that this is beyond your control. My mind isn't in my control. It's just doing what it does. Like at night, when you get in bed and you close your eyes and you go to sleep and you do that weird thing called dreaming, right? <laughs> right. That's so like so strange to be, by yeah. the way, still right. But that's <laughs> your that's your mind. Yeah. Like you, like you shut down. You like you, like they put the the press the power button. You're out. Yeah. And your mind's still going, and it's just making up stories while you're asleep. Well, that's the power of your mind. Your mind's doing that. And if you don't realize that that's what your mind's up to, your mind's up to some crazy stuff. And then I started to see how, like, I would do, well, uh, I heard a rumor about this. And then, like, one time I saw a movie about that. And then I take those two things and I put them together and I go, well, this is what's happening. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I know what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. And then I act on the things that I think I know. Assumptions, right? The, the, these are assumptions that you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, the... Think it, you ever hear the one where they go, uh, don't believe anything you hear in half of what you see? Right. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Like, right. And it's like, I'm watching stuff and I still like, I think I, like just I saw something. Well, then that must be what this is. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's really this idea of like, there's all kinds of information coming in all the time and your brain is trying to make sense of it and it makes stories about it. Right. And part of the problem that we have, or at least for, for you know people with addiction, is the stories usually tend to be negative. Right? Yeah. Usually it tends to be, you know, they're out to get me or, the, you know, they're up to no good or they're screwing me again. Right. And so if you have that kind of stuff going on in your in your head, what do you think the effect is going to be on in your life? Mm. Right. So now you have the crazy stuff in your head. You act on that stuff. You make bad mistakes. You do you know, dopey things, right? You don't feel good. Of course you want to get high. Why right. wouldn't you? Right. Right? And it's just a vicious cycle. And I'm listening to the voice inside my head, and it sounds just like me. And it says, you know what? You, you, you know, you, you, they, think, they think, who the hell they think they try, they're doing this to, right? right? Like, I, I'm going to teach them a lesson. Yeah. I'm going to show, you know what I'm going to do? Right? And that's the voice inside your head. And, and they act on that. 
and then watch what and like hilarity ensues. You mm. know what I mean? Like, all right, here we go. Here's another mess. Yeah. Right. And so meditation allowed me to see that whatever's going on inside my head, it doesn't mean that it's true. It doesn't mean that it's right. And I don't have to give it as much stock as I as, as I tend to. I could go, okay, and kind of diminish it. And it's kind of like the radio. You just lower the volume. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So what happens is like what, what I'll experience a lot of times is the stuff is going on inside my head. I hear it. But I'm not necessarily listening to it. You know, I could see that that being really applicable in relationships. You know, just something that I've seen recently, like, you know, my wife and I, probably over the past six, seven weeks or so, there's been a, more arguing. I, I think it's probably the uh, effects of COVID and just spending more time kind of cooped up mm-hmm. in the house and things like that, that uh, I know for me, my mind will go, if, if I say something and she's silent, my thing is, what is she thinking? She's judging me. She thinks this about me. And then mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm immediately getting irritated. And it, it wasn't until we actually had some time to get away uh, for a day that I said something, and then she, there was a long pause. I'm like, oh, here we go, judging again. She's going to say, or she thinks this, thinks that. And I was like, you know what? I, I observed it for a second. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit back. I'm not going to respond and, and just, like, see what happens. And then we had a great conversation after that. So anything that I was thinking in my mind, it just wasn't true. And it's so interesting that our brains kind of go in that way. Uh, and I don't even think it's necessarily... Um, just those with addiction and sure. suffering with that, but people that are uh, in relationships. For example, you know, someone goes on a date, guy or girl goes on a date, and uh, the the other person doesn't call or doesn't text within 24 hours. Oh, they didn't like me. Oh, I'm gonna be alone forever. Oh, I'm gonna be miserable. Uh, but yet they don't know that that person, you know, whatever, their their cell phone broke or or they were away or they had some catastrophe in life. But it's that story. It's so interesting. I don't know why our brains kind of go into that negative space all the time. Yeah. Well, I th- and and it might be a it might be a human a human trait, mm. right? And I think that part of the role of spirituality for a lot of people is how do you how do you get from that negative habit of looking at the glass half empty and find another way to look at the world? Yeah, right. Uh, really, at the end of the day, the the major problem is not out there. Although you know, there's plenty of problems out there in the world. But the main problem isn't that, it's the way I perceive things. I think right? that's the power right there. That's the power I want to have. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure anyone listening would want that same thing, to be able to look at something the right way. Because I know if I look at something a certain way, uh, depending on how I'm looking at it, it's typically negative, I, I feel powerless, right? So why wouldn't we want to look at something in a way that actually actually makes us feel powerful, you know, and, and uh, gives us a sense of peace, you know? Um, I like what you said before about how uh, what matters is if this thing is really helping you or not, you know. Um, and a lot of times, I guess, our, our thoughts, we, we realize that they're, they're not helpful. We don't realize it because we don't have that power, right? Well, I mean, the the other thing that I notice a lot with, and again, you know, I talk about addiction and alcoholism, obviously, because that's, you know, the, the field that we're in. Yeah, yeah. And I work with a lot of people um, who are suffering with that, and I've suffered with it. So it's familiar to me. Well, I right? think I think at the, at the base of it, that is probably like the um, – uh, deeply human, you know. I think um, you know people are going through various types of addiction, but just not in the same way, right? You know, yeah. uh, I, I think it's it's a, it's a real, uh, it's a, a deeply human experience that I think um, you know there's stigma and all this thing mm-hmm. around that, but I think it's because everyone has a fear of it. I mean, most of my background is in mental health, right? Mm-hmm. But I think all of us have experienced depression or anxiety, insomnia at some point in our life, you know. Uh, and I think there's a fear, a stigma uh, because of fear, because 
people realize that uh, so probably somewhere deep and subconsciously that uh, we can all end up in that space. You know, it, it's just kind of, uh, you know, the, the way the, the chips fell, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's, when, when I talk about it and I talk about people in, in that particular class, right, what I, what I tend to see a lot also is this feeling of when they get presented with the solution, right? Like, here's a solution, right? Yeah. Here's a solution, right? You have a problem, right? <laughs> right. Well, let's get past the part where we're denying there's a problem. Now <laughs> we're, we're on the same page. There's a problem, right? right? You're, you're aware of there's a problem. I'm aware there's a problem. Okay, so now here's a presentation of a solution to your problem, right? And what happens a lot of times is um, people will go, well, that's a, that's stupid. You know right. what I mean? Like that can't possibly work. Like that's like wait, you're talking about a higher power, and you're talking about spiritual principles, and like that's ugh, come on, right? And then and then after you have that, then you'll have like people will go, all right, maybe like all right, you're right. I am seeing people that seem to be getting some sort of uh, effect from this weird thing that you're presenting to me. Okay, so maybe it does work. All right, I'll grant you that. Maybe it works. I'm not sure it'll work for me, but maybe. I'll tell you what, and this is where they'll go. They'll go, I'm going to really like read about this and really study it and I'm really going to observe. And when I figure out how this whole thing really works, then I'll do it, right? <laughs> right. And it's like, no, yeah. that's like the, the, the absolute worst thing you can do because the knowing of it, the information is the booby prize. And what happens is you are going to relapse way before you ever figure it out. Mm. And the way that it, it came to me <clears throat> was uh, one day I'm watching TV, right? And I go, uh, and I'm like really enjoying it. You know, like it's a really good movie or something. I don't know. And I'm like, wow, this is great. And uh, I start thinking like, isn't this the weirdest thing? Like if I was to time travel, right? And go into the past and tell people about this thing called TV, they would think like they wouldn't even know what to make of it. You know what I right, mean? Like right. it's, well, it's a screen and there's a story on it. You know, it's and there's music and there's words and like you see a whole thing happen. And then uh, it's even, what's even cooler is like if there's a live event somewhere in the world, they can beam that right into my living room. It's <laughs> like, you know, and I'm, and I'm sitting there, I'm going, yeah, that's like the weirdest thing. I go, I don't even know how it works, actually. Right. <laughs> you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't understand how they get those pictures on the screen. Like, right. I'm baffled. You yeah. know, like, wow. <laughs> you know, and now I'm like, I'm very curious. I'm like, I want to know how it works. Yeah. How does that thing work? <clears throat> I remember one time I even watched a documentary that even described how the TV works. And at the end of it, I was like, I, I still get it. Like, <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't know how it works. Yeah, I don't yeah. get it. But what came to me was that, you know what, in order for me to enjoy it and use it, I don't have to understand how it works. No. All I have to know how to do is turn on the power and be able to change the, the, the channel to Oof. whatever channel I want to go to, right? That's all I really need to know, right? You could get a, you could time travel, find a Neanderthal, bring him back to, to today, teach him those, those basic things, power right, and channel whatever channel you want, and he can do that, mm. right? You, do, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to be able to do that. Right, so you don't have to understand the television to be able to enjoy it. I don't have to understand how my smartphone works, right? That does all this amazing stuff. I don't have to understand how it works in order to use it. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to understand how the 12-step recovery process actually works in order to plug into it and actually use it and get the benefits from it, right? And so they say, you don't think your way into right action, you act your way into right thinking, Wow. right? It's the action that's going to change your thinking way before your thinking is going to change your, right? You go, I'm going to think about this really hard and then I'll change my thing. No, do, take the action and that's the shortcut. Taking the action will change your thinking. 
and then it's and then it goes on to okay the higher power the same thing what makes me think i would ever be able to understand uh let's say let's say you don't believe in a higher power but let's pretend we live in a world that it, even if you don't believe in it it actually does exist what makes you think you'd be able to understand that which is god mm. you know what i mean like we're, we're remember we're these little creatures on this rock shooting through space gravitationally locked up with a fireball right? Right, right? that's a million times bigger than the rock we're on you know what I mean and it's within this galaxy that that that, that little situation the that the fireball and the rock right, that is within a galaxy mm. with trillions of stars in it in fact this thing that we're in is so vast it's so big that it takes light the fastest thing in the universe a hundred thousand years to go from one end of the Milky Way galaxy to the other end. A hundred thousand years, the fastest thing in the universe. So that's big. And yet, if you think about the galaxy compared to the observable universe, its size, well, it's like another little pinprick compared to the vastness of the universe that it's in, right? So in a in 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 a in a very real sense, you and I. I'm a speck, on a speck, in a speck, adrift in a sea of we don't even know what it is. I don't know. Do you? Not do you know what the universe is? So, okay, I don't know any of that stuff, but I'm going to tell you I comprehend the power which created all that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like, I, I, like, how does that make any sense at all? Right? right? So I can't wrap my, my head around it. It's not meant to. Right? It, b- the, 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 the God idea is completely beyond my human comprehension, my limited human comprehension. Okay. I could deal with that. So the question then is, I'm never going to get it. I'm never going to fully understand it. But does it work? That's the, that's the real question. Because that you could actually take a look. We could go, let's look at the record. How's it going for you? Well, I haven't, had a, I haven't gotten drunk or high Kid, in over 13 years. That's incredible. Man, I'm... I, Actually, you know, like 13 years ago, I, I died. You know mm. what I mean? I died. And just because of modern medicine, just because there happened to be this, you know, this drug called Narcan, mm. right? I survived this near-death experience. That's weird, mm. right? So I've been living, I've been walking, I've been, I've been in like in the bonus round. You know, yeah, like, bonus. I'm in the bonus round. I <laughs> right. shouldn't be here. Yeah. And yet I'm here. And, but here's the thing. Yeah, I'm a person who I couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't stop getting high. And yet... I never think about it. How did that happen? In my first year of sobriety, man, I obsessed about picking up like every day. Mm. And then something happened. I was just plugged into these simple things, like for simpletons. You know what I mean? This stuff is like for simpletons. And I plugged into it. And all of a sudden, I don't know when it happened, but suddenly one day I went from I'm a miserable mess. I want to kill people. I hate the world. I hope you die. I hate you. I went from that to, wow, I, I actually feel happy and I don't even have like a good reason to be happy. You know what I mean? I don't even have anything good going on in my life, but yet I'm happy. And that's an early recovery. And then time goes by and all of a sudden you just watch. Oh, wow. Like I'm able to go to work every day and get there on time. That's weird, you know, and I'm able to be responsible and I'm able to be a father and I'm able to be a son and I'm able to be a brother and I'm able to be a sponsor. And it's just like all these different things. I'm able to get married. That's crazy. Like what you were talking about. I, I, I couldn't see myself being a good husband or a good father. Like, yeah, ditto. I feel mm. same same boat. Mm. And yet, well how, well, how did that happen? Right? And just to go, all right, so you look at the record and you go, it's not just been like 13 eh, so-so years that kind of sucked, but you, you get hung on and you gritted your teeth. You're like 13 really great years, mm. man. 
like stack them up to the rest of your life. Yo, pound for pound, best years, <laughs> right. right? Absolutely. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like what? Like, dude, I, I get like we, you know, we work in the same place, and I get to, I get to wake up every day when I go to work, and I don't go, oh. Same. Oh, I gotta go to this. Pl- oh my god! And I know what that's like to have yeah. a job where you hate it. Like you just hate. Like I, w- I wish death on my <laughs> uh, my uh, bosses. I hate them. Right? Like right. I know what that's like to feel that way. Yeah. And wake up and go. You're part of that the 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 two and five club. Five days of work, two days off. Right. Five days, right? right. And right. like Mondays come and you're miserable, and Friday comes and you can't wait. To, ah, I'm right. almost out. I'm almost done. I gotta right? tell you, I, I was on vacation. Uh, what last last February and. I didn't have that feeling about going to work. Oh, I got to go back to work from vacation. It, yeah. it was interesting. And, and I think what changed, it's interesting because our timelines are very similar, even though different paths, but about 13, 14 years ago, just kind of something uh, was lacking in my life. And I, and I knew I needed to plug into this power, whatever it was. Other people had it. Why don't I have it? I yeah. see other people kind of living the life I want to have. What are they plugged into and, and figure they, what they were plugged into a higher power and how just kind of steadily over time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. When I first started working in the field, I'm like, oh, this is miserable. I hate people. <laughs> you know? yeah. But then over time, kind of like <clears throat> accumulating all of these things. Um, I think the the part that I struggle with is, you know, do you need to have action to have power? Do you need action? Because, <clears throat> you know, in, in other faiths and everything, there's this idea of grace. Like things just yeah. happen for you. You know, like you don't have to strive so hard. It's it, There's right. grace. But um, what I've seen in my life personally is there, there's been, if there was no action, there was no you know yeah. forward movement. And actually, my wife and I've had a conversation about this. And her argument is, the reason why you were able to have action in anything you ever did was because of a grace. Like the, it's grace that you have your your faculties together. It's grace that you were you know able to live in this place and go to this school and and have these things line up for you. Um, so it's not just everything that that you did. Sure. You know. Well, that's one of the big uh, Christian debates, right? The, the difference between there's uh, one aspect of Christianity that talks about, well, it's just about grace. Right. right. It's either you are graced or you're not, right? <laughs> right. And that's like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, well, that kind of sucks for me if I'm not, right? <laughs> and then the other one is, uh, you know, and they, and they took a lot of uh, aspects from the Bible and put it into that big book, right? And one of them is faith without works is dead. Right. Right? There's uh, this idea that you can say you have all the faith in the world. It's like, you know, all right, if, if this thing was all about all you have to do is just believe in a higher power, then you'd never see this one thing that we see, right? You'd never see this. You'd never see priests, rabbis, ministers, pastors suffering with addiction or alcohol. You'd never see it because they have a belief, mm. right? What we're talking about is like you can have all the belief in the world, but if you do nothing with it, it's dead on the vine. It's just wow. not it's not vital. Right. And like it's a that's a very big concept in 12 step recovery. This idea of faith without works is dead. I don't care. Like, that's great that you have faith. Awesome. That's great. What are you doing with it? Right. Who are you helping? Right. right? Because the end result of 12 step recovery is you take the awakened spirit and you go help people. Right. So like we were talking, I think at the beginning, we were talking about like if I could have like some sort of uh, um, tagline. Right. Like uh, Timothy Leary with tune in, turn on, drop out, which I thought like that was cool as hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it has like negative connotations, but I like that it was so, you know. And so like for me, it would be plug in, power up, give back. Mm. Right. We got to plug into something. We got to We got to get we got to gain access to a power greater than ourselves if we're powerless. 
right? And maybe even if we're not powerless, even if you're just bumping up against the wall, mm. we got to plug into something that can take us beyond where we're at. Power up, right? Like I always, like I love the idea of the stupid uh, smartphone, right? Because I have it, I take it with me everywhere I go. It's awesome. I'm pretty sure if they would have invented it when I was a kid, I'd never have <laughs> become an addict <laughs> or an alcoholic because it's the coolest thing, yeah. right? You could do a million things with it. But they designed it with this one design flaw, which is I have to power that thing up every single day, mm. right? I have to make sure no matter where I go, I'm in the car, I'm at work, I'm at home, I have to make sure that I have access to power so I can plug that thing in. In and of itself, it does not have power. It needs to plug into power. Mm. And as soon as it runs out of power, all those great things that it's capable of doing, they're gone. Right. Now it's a paperweight, right. right? That's all it does, right? And it's kind of like addicts and alcoholics are like that. We have to plug into a power so that we can like get that, that juice going, right? But it's not just so that we can feel good and be like, oh, man, this is great, because that's what we did when we were getting high. Mm. The next step is you got to give back, right? And I, we were talking about this uh, before we started, the idea of like many of us are like, uh, I don't want to help anybody. That's going to be inconvenient. I don't want to have to go outside my comfort zone. I want I don't want to have to think about other people. I like just, you know, sitting here and thinking about myself, doing things for me. I need me time, right? And if you want to help me, that's great. I'll use you for all you got because that's kind of where I'm at. But as far as helping people, that makes my skin crawl. Mm. And then, but what happens in 12-step recovery is you start doing, like, you, st you, you if you have a good sponsor or a good home group and they push you towards it, because usually we have to be pushed towards it, and you start to do it yourself, you go, oh, my God, that that was great. Like, I just, like, I went and spoke and I was terrified. And God, like, afterwards it was like being a rock star. Like, everybody mm. came up to me and they were so appreciative and I really feel like, wow, I don't know, something different happened. Or, you know, you go on a 12-step call and you help somebody and you're like, oh my God. It's like, like a supercharge, right? It's, some, it's just a, like like when we were talking about interventions at the beginning, right? Yeah. The, the idea of the intervention is like reaching into the mirror and pulling somebody out of that crazy world that you're actually getting somebody to help that didn't want the help, that was uh, resistant to help, hmm. right? That was on, was on a pathway to death, right? And you go into the mirror and you pull them out and it's like, you had at least some, like you were useful in some way, shape, or form to try and get somebody to the help that they need. Like that's, mm. there's power in that. Mm. And it's like, so we help people and it goes back to the, the idea of enlightened self-interest, right? I'm gonna help people because at the end of the day, I do get something out of it. Mm. And that's the thing about 12-step recovery. No matter how much you want to pretend like you are selfless, you are not. Right, <laughs> right? Right, you right. are not. Right. So stop it. Yeah. Don't pretend like you are you know, some sort of saint. I mean, I believe that there are people who are saintly, sure. And I do believe that there are people that are probably transcended uh, being a human being. There are very few and far between. True. Right? I don't meet a lot of them in the Bronx, that's for sure. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> right? But, I, but I, I believe that they do exist. But for most of us, for, for most of us, we, we have to be content with the idea of enlightened self-interest, that I am going to do the right thing, and it's going to be good for me and good for you. That's interesting that we have to be content with that, because even as you're talking about enlightened self-interest, I'm like, is that the highest level? Is that, 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 is that selfish in itself? Is there, is there another place I have to go above that? But when you said that we have to be content with it, that actually gives me a sense of peace instead of this like restlessness that I feel sometimes, because sometimes I feel like, Man, I am selfish. I am doing these things because I feel good about doing them. You sure. know, you know, I, 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 I love you know uh, doing things for my family because it makes me feel good. You know, yeah. and it's it's not totally selfless. I'm not a saint. No, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, I, uh, 
I should feel I, I shouldn't feel this good about doing something good, but I do. You know? Well, and there's there's a thing, you know, we like to say there's all these different sayings and stuff like that, right? And one of one of the ones is like uh, I'm not a human being have a, having a spiritual experience. I'm a spiritual being right. having a human experience. Okay, whatever. Like whatever it is, right? Cuz I my personal feeling is whatever it is I am, right? It goes beyond the body and the mind. Mm. Whatever it is. I don't I can't tell you what it is, but I I don't tend to believe that the, the story is over after physical death. Mm. I just don't. But maybe you know maybe that's the case. But it doesn't matter, right? right? But okay, even if that's the truth, and what I really am is the awareness, right? And I'm right now in the middle of having a human experience. That's still part of the experience, mm. being a human being, right? And being a human being, I'm given. I, I I'm prey to all of the human frailties that humans have. It's part. It's like listen, you paid you paid for the ride. Right. You paid the you, you bought the ticket. Take the ride. Right. We're on the ride. Yeah. Right now. Here's the deal. So I could live. I could I could live the, the life that I was living where I'm just like total extreme, extremely negative, destroying my life, suffering a lot. But I came to a conclusion that I didn't want to do that anymore. And I, and I was opened up to another experience. Now, I don't try to paint myself as somebody who's not selfish because I am st- very aware of how selfish I am. And sometimes I'm pretty sure I'm more selfish than I think I am, right? Right. But that's okay, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm not like, I'm not doing what I was doing. I'm not living that negative lifestyle that was uh, impacting other people horribly, Mm -hmm. right? So like when you talk about, you know, you want your family to be happy. Yeah, I think that's the right thing, man. And if it makes you feel good that your family's happy, great. Mm. That's awesome, right? I think that there's like, there's, there's a range that we can live in where you know what sometimes your selfishness is appropriate Mm. sometimes your selfishness can be used to help other people Mm. which is like this really like this cool concept that comes out of step six and seven where they talk about you know like i want god to have all of me the good and the bad because i don't never i don't necessarily know what's good and i don't necessarily know what's bad at any given moment there are times in my life i believe that my anger can be very appropriate and I think there's times in my life that my anger can be completely destructive. Mm. I don't know when, right? Sometimes I think I know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. that's the problem, right? Right. So if I, if I open myself up to the idea that I really want to like have the power, like kind of have my life and live through me and direct me and guide me and show me, well, I take it all, the good and the bad, mm. right? I let, I let it direct me, good and the bad. The, the mistakes, the ugly mistakes, the you know uh, the skin knees, right? The the sleepless nights. Well, that comes with it too. Hmm. But it's still way better than it was. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, listen, this was an amazing experience. I got to tell you this uh, this whole idea of of power and how we need to plug in when we see that we're lacking. I think most people can identify that they're lacking in power in some area of their life, mm. and the only thing to do about it is to plug in, like the cell phone. I think that was so clear to me how. The uh, the cell phone, if it runs out of power, it's a paperweight, you know. And uh, I think most people can identify with that. I know I can for sure. So, John, I thank you for your time and uh, and for your wisdom that you shared. And uh, I, I hope to creep up in your groups at some point in time throughout yeah. the week. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Up until this point in our lives, we've done the best we could with what we've known. Hopefully today we've come to learn something new so we can be better to give better. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Upstream. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the dot upstream podcast 
and join us every other Tuesday for fresh content. Until then, just keep swimming, friends.